Within the next 15 seconds, you're probably going to say this is one of the most unique interviews we've ever had on Value Team, and here's why. My guest today is Latif Yahya, who is known, he's, he's living his own life right now, doing his thing, but prior to this, he lived a very interesting life. One day, he gets a knock on the door by uh, his classmate, who happens to be Saddam Hussein's son, Uday, uh, and he says, I want you to be my double. And he says, what do you mean double? He says, I want you to be my double. He turns him down at first, and then he's going to tell you what happens next. There was a book written about it saying, I was Saddam's son, a movie that I watched the moment it came out in 2011 called The Devil's Double. With that being said, my guest today, Latif Yahya. Latif, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. You're welcome. So, Latif, I think it's fair to say you've lived an interesting life. Hard life. We can't say interesting for me was from the minute I joined this team by force wasn't an uh, enjoyable moment or enjoyable job to do. Now, before that happened, and let, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back on how you got connected with Saddam Hussein's family. How did that relationship come about? Uh, we were together in the same school, in high school. Uh, we spent a few years together, same school. This was a special school for all the high educated people, minister sons, politician sons, and uh, was close to my home too. And uh, here we was met first time in, he was in my school, in my class. And uh, I was very, worried as advice from my dad to don't be nearly of those family or the government or anything my father is very peaceful man rest in peace now and uh, i listened to him but uh, the problem was with oday at the time and they start uh, we become nearly know each other i was painting i love painting since i was child and when the Saddam Hussein became a president, he was the vice president in Iraq. Uh, I paint his picture, and uh, in full size, it's a big picture. And he he looked at it and say, "Wow, you know, this is nice. This is that." And uh, he took it off me, and from here started. So, so, so you had met Saddam Hussein before through his son Uday or or was that uh was no uh, this is you met Saddam this is a time? this is was a school competition painting got and it. Uday he saw it uh, he saw the painting and I he took it. it I got it and so in 1979 is when he became a president so when you said you were in high school with Uday what year was that uh up till I finished my university in 1987, four years before that, or okay. four and a half years. Yeah. So he was he was already president. He was already a, a powerful man. He was already, you yeah. know, had a reputation. And uh, for some that don't know, I mean, this is before we go into that angle. One of the things I want to know from you is even prior to him being a president, I, I'm from Iran, so I have had to study a lot of Saddam Hussein because, you know, yeah. I, I was born in 78. So if I'm born 78, four months before the Shah went in exile, October of 78. Yeah. 
you know my lifeline. I stayed there till uh, 1989, so I was there for the whole war between Iran and Iraq. It wasn't the prettiest thing. But who was Saddam Hussein before he became president and vice president, way before that? Saddam Hussein, he was a head of, we say, intelligence service. At the time, they call it Hanin. What this was, Protect and Ba'ath Party. And because of his background, and he's a very clever person, you know, because we can't deny that. But uh, he'd be, he been elected by Ba'ath Party to start what called intelligence service, and he named it Hanin. Hanin means <laughs> something is very hard to explain. But anyway, he became the head of intelligence service of Ba'ath Party before all this happened. Got it. And the, they was assassinate all these people what not belong to them or against them or do stuff against Ba'ath Party till he become a vice president. So he was known as someone that some called him a hitman, some called him a vicious man, some called him a fearless man, but he was he was feared amongst people way before he got into politics. Would you agree with that? I agree with that because this is his story and he 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 himself he was saying that I start this and I start that and uh, he was saying always this chair didn't come easy to me was something uh, we did with our colleagues with our brothers to get to this power got it okay so now let's fast forward you're in high school you were today you make draw this painting he sees it he likes it were you guys best friends or were you just classmates when he first saw this classmate i can't say it because i didn't like it from day one he arrived to my class in pacific you know First of all, uh, he was coming with his Porsche. He, he was a teenager, and he had a Porsche, yellow Porsche, very stupid color yellow. It's not even normal color. And uh, with painting, I was, uh, this is my hobby, I was playing basketball. And he come and put his car where it's the basketball place. You know, he don't let anybody play basketball. He don't, he harassed anybody. At the time, we have this, you know, uh, uh, we talk in 70s and beginning 80s, these Afro hair, you know, big hairs, and he have really big, big hair, you know. And uh, he come on two, three security with him, always just stand up around. When he come to the class, because he was taller of us, he was sitting in the back, and two people sit, one here and one here, and one beside him, right for him. All the teachers say he don't do anything. Uh, this it was his uh, attention in the class. But I can't deny it, he was very, very clever. So he was also clever like his father. Interesting. He's very clever. He's very clever, but in a meaning, mean ways. In a know? mean way. Yeah, and he don't like to see somebody higher of him or clever more on him or answer the teacher in a good way. He'd be really upset because he think he's a bigger person, he's a more powerful. Even with that, he have so much uh, jealousy inside him. I don't know. After I 
we met and sit and I understand why he was suffering from that. What was he, uh, did he have a reputation even then in high school as somebody who was ruthless or he hadn't developed a reputation yet? In the beginning, he was very shy, to be fair. He was very, very shy. But the second year start all these exaggeration stuff. Because, you know, us, you are from Middle East and uh, we are neighbor. You know, as a school separate boys and girls, mm -hmm. you know, only, only in university. But as a boy's school, he came in with a girlfriend and was the closest school for a girl beside us. He picked his girlfriend and come to the school with his girlfriend sitting in class. And one of the teacher, he asked him, you know, you're not allowed to do that. And, you know, uh, please take this girl out of here. Anyway, anyway, we didn't never saw this teacher anymore. I don't know what's happened to him. Also, when the teacher told to take the girl out, you never saw the teacher ever again? Yeah, we never saw him. After he left the class, I don't know where he disappeared. Got it. So that was uh, one mistake right there, telling him he couldn't have girlfriends there. So so it, it, did, did you, but did you hear stories with them? Like even in, when you went to high school, did you see him fighting? Did you see him killing yet? Did you see him doing anything yet during high school? Was there any signs yet? No. Uh, Killing, no. Fight, we can say in a mean way, yeah, he always pushing people like that, but he always have a gun. Small gun, magnum, he always carry with him. In a school, in a high school, you know, you can't have a gun. But he come and he's always put it in his pocket or he put it in, he have a, a cover or a gun beside his leg. And he sometimes play with it like that, you know. Just, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, especially in the school, was want to be close to him because he's the power. And you know, us Middle East people like power. People like that. At the time, you know, my family is the rich family, and no one in Baghdad. Uh, I have a car too, and this age. But it wasn't a Porsche, you know, we can't say Porsche. Or like There's something, just my dad, he bought it for me. And in this age, you can't have even a car. I don't have even a license. But uh, something, you know, this, you know, Middle Eastern business people do the fantasy. Okay, my son is underage, but he's driving a car. You know, I have a ladder, the first car. You and did? What at the yeah, I did. my first car was a ladder, but at the time, we're talking 70s, ladder was something when come to Iraq, and especially this ladder was a story. In 1979, when the Iraq football won something champion, uh, the president, Ahmad Hassan al-Bakr, he imported from Russia uh, or Soviet Union, because it's made there, ladder for footballer as a present, as a gift. Uh, and when the first car has been sold, my dad bought it for me on my birthday. And was ladder, you know, it's, it's, wow, you know, somebody have a ladder. And uh, the life went. Till uh, we finish school, I get a good degree and good numbers. Uh, 
my dream was uh, really up till now in this age my dream to be an engineer i like to be an engineer civil engineer building these houses and i still in this age even i didn't go to university of engineering i still drawing you know how i do i designed all my house how many houses i have in europe i designed all my houses how i like it and uh, when i went to university uh, i saw oh, they, he's applied there and i said i'm not spending another four or five days with this idiot i went to the law something absolutely out of the number that i get i can be md or a engineer or the numbers i get but uh, i went to the law it's very classy i said okay we go with the law finish my degree and at the time you know was iraq iran war they need soldiers they need officers they need by Iraqi law, when you finish school or university, or you don't go to school, must you do the army things, you know? At the time, uh, when you are educated, university and like that, they give you a rank of officer in your shoulder. But if you don't have any, you be just soldier. Because I was tall, and at the time, you know, healthy and muscles and like that, they picked me to be a commandos, <laughs> you know. We went to the commandos, training six months, straight away to the war. We was in a battle, you know, as Iranian. It was a shame to two nations to be fighting each other for no reason. Up till now, I fight, and I'm left nearly 30 years out. Until now, I don't know why we fight. You know, I don't understand what's happened between these two countries because our relation with the shah was was different from when the khomeini sure. uh as i hear because my dad he was going holiday to iran in the shah time he was saying this paris of middle east is so nice so this and that but the, you know politics change and the stuff has changed and khomeini coming we start hate each other, war start, and uh, you know, war is a not a fun thing. It's not a something to enjoy. No, no matter no matter what you do, it's not a fun place to go. And uh, I was seeing, you know, in front of me, my soldier be killed. I've been injured several times. Uh, uh, I see Iranian dead, I see Iraqi dead. But all was the question in my head, why we are here? You know, in my head, uh, I was more open in politics, but in my head, my father, he hate politics. He said, don't talk politics, don't say anything. You know, even the wall have ear to hear you in Iraq. And this is the problem with me. Even my father was saying to me, you don't listen, you have a stone head. What in your head you had, you do it. I was sitting, for example, in a bunker and the night sometimes peaceful is not two or three hours, no shot hearing, no bombing, no nothing. I think with myself, I have a candle and two soldiers, three soldiers. And I say to them, why we are here? 
why I was saying loudly to them and they were terrified because the similarity at the time between us and the shape of our face looked like more I am related to this family, especially to Crete and Al-Oja, all similar face, thick mustache and all that. When I was saying to them, look, we are brothers here. Don't look at my ring. Don't look at I'm officer. But I'm asking you, as a human, as Iraqi, why we are here? Why we don't see Oday and Kosai, the other son, fighting here? They terrified. They don't know what they answer me because they think I am one of them. And I'm spying, for example. Or, but anyway, one day my general called me. You know, we are on the front line. It was like between us 600 meters, no more than that, between the first line with the Iranian. Uh, he called. We have a, you know, like a radio. It's common called Rakal. I, like, uh, sir. It's, you know, the general, I said, okay. He said, you come in now. You leave everything, you come in now. At the time, was like a lot of water around us. They sent a small boat to us and bring the... And we won. I won. He said, what did you do, Latif? I said, I didn't do anything, sir. He said, look at this letter coming from palace. I said, which palace? He said, how many palace? And he's like, the Republic palace. I look at the letter and, you know, must be you know, Latif Yahya coming in 72 hours to the palace and like that. Anyway, I took my car and I want. I want, it's like a, it's like a reception. I give the letter. He said, just sit there. Uh, I wait like 10, 15 minutes. Um, Another guy coming. They put me in a car, dark. You can't see anything. Car is going around and there and left and right and I don't know where it's going. In the end, I was in front of palace, shaped the door like a eagle. And here I went inside. And somebody come to me and uh, stay here one second, sir. Okay. Uh, the other door is open. Are they front of me? How are you, my friend? How are you keeping? This is Uday. Uday is in front of you. This is Saddam's son that's in front of you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I look at him and I say, I'm good. He say, well done. What are you doing? You have a few medals now and you're a good fighter and all these reports coming about you and this and that and sit down and he bring a cigar for me and he just clicked something and orange juice coming and fruit on the table and that. Oh, it's a long old days and start talking. And he said to make it short to you, what about you become Saddam's son? And I smiled and I said to him, we are all Saddam sons. You know, and you're like, we are all Saddam sons. They say, no, uh, I want to be your real Saddam son. You, I want you to be my Fidai. Fidai sacrificed yourself for somebody else. 
when I try to play stupid or idiot, and I say, what do you mean, bodyguard, security? He say, no, I want you to be Audrey. And he started explaining to me and like that, but the picture in my head, my dad, my mother, my sister, my brother, Baghdad, Iraq, everything is going in my head. And the report coming from intelligence service, they say, you look like me, and ha, 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 this he's talking. And, and I say, any choice? He said to me, yeah, sure, we have choice. We are in a free country. You can say what you want to say. And uh, if you refuse, I say, if I say yes, what happened? If I say no, what happened? He said to me, if you say yes, You'll be Audrey, my power, everything is you. If you say no, I shake hands with you and you go to your army and finish. I say, great. I say, Audrey, we are, you know, friends and, you know, I'm in the army and, you know, we are just another year or how long got to be, I finish, I go with my business and my dad business and like that. And before even I finished, I see his eyes just like start fire out of it. And he say, this mean you're refusing. I say, you give me the choice and I'm saying to you as a glass of juice in my hand, you kept it. Somebody come and take my ring out, uh, hold in my eye, uh, my head is down, like, push me to the boot of the car, not even in the car, in the boot of the car, driving around like that, pick me from the boot, your head down, 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 open a door, and they pushed me, straight away I was to the wall. They took, this what they covered my eyes with, Everything is red. Light, wall, floor, door, everything is red, painted red. No window, no nothing, you can't see the time in it. And they should be down. It's one meter by one meter. Even you can't sit or, you know, not comfortable. And no toilet, no nothing. There's a little hole in the floor and that's it. I don't know how long I spent exactly, but I was counted six, seven days because even with that, they was confused me. They give me, for example, in the breakfast, they give me dinner and the dinner, they give me breakfast. And, mm. you know, just to don't know where you are, what time, wow. the day or night. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not toilet, smell, you know, psychologically yeah. after I learn, after I learn, uh, this is a more psychologically war coming from Russian uh, or Soviet Union intelligence service, what they was training the Iraqi intelligence service for that, what called psychologically war. Here, what, six, seven days, the door is open was, are they? 
and was another guy with him. What he live in Jordan now? And he said to me, "Did you change your mind now, or do you want me to bring your sisters here?" And you know what this means. I say no, please. I do anything you want. Leave my family alone. He say, okay. I was, you know, seven days, same clothes, dirty, and like this. He said, come out. I come out. They didn't fall my eye. They didn't do anything to me. I come out. I saw myself. This is the palace, you know, of, and they have a special prison for really serious people. They hate them. Anyway, he took me uh, to the car. I drove about 10 minutes to Project 7, called the Project 7. This is one of the palaces. And here, everything in my life completely changed. Changed to <laughs> in a bad way, in a really bad way. But anybody else, if he didn't come in from multi-family for him, is wow, or everything, you know? And I'd be slave for him, is no problem how he treated me, but I'm not a slave. I born free, man. And you know, sometimes even I don't listen to my dad because this is me. Mm -hmm. But uh, he say, look, all these people around here is your now. They look after you, they do everything for you, and this and that. Go have a shower. They bring me a nice shower, you know, it's a palace one, and everything is clean, nice, you know, the perfume is here, it's this here. I have my shower, they show me my room, it's a really big bed, and everything is luxury. And they left me a few days there. Top food, top drink, top everything. I wasn't at the time drinking alcohol. Even I didn't, you know, this heavy smoker. About a week, less than a week, people come, I don't know who they are, but they don't look like Iraqi. They start seeing Latif, strip please, what do you mean strip, strip please, everything, my weight, my height, teeth, color, skin, all that has been checked. I write it down. I was short of, shorter, you know, of Oday about three centimeter, three and a half centimeter. Oday is was, six, six. He's very tall. He's very tall. So yeah. that means you're also very tall. Hmm? You're also tall. I am tall, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but not same Oday. Uh, yeah, this between us, like, they checked everything. Was. Even the voice, very, very close. You know, even even the doctor, let's say, how this happened, you know. My age, I am just four years uh, older of Oday. He born 14, I born 14th of June, 64. He born 18th of June, 64. You know, I can't be more coincident of that. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you guys are four days apart from your birthday? Yes. 
I am older often four days. Wow. And uh, they start checking and everything. Uh, they say the height, you know, after a few days, the height, got to be sold, you know, have a high shoes. They put at the time uh, a general, he was my mate, you know, just in the bed, he don't be with me. He training me every single thing, you know, showing me videos, showing me this, showing me that. But uh, the training at the time does not start till they <laughs> did my teeth. My front teeth all has been changed because either he have teeth forward, they make it exactly like him. The gap between the teeth, all that sorted. Was the chin? They did the operation. I have a beard. You can see it. It's open the chin. Something they drilled. Or I I did all these operations when I come out to the west. I took everything out. And after that, I have a break, and really the bad suffering start. Uh, my background is not for these things. I didn't saw these things. When I was a child, I was very soft. Even in the army, I was very soft. Even we are commandos, most we don't care, but I was soft, you know. And anyway, training was the first few weeks watching videos. What kind of videos? Are they movement, smoking, walking, talking, moving, hand, uh, in a speech, how he stand up, how he sit in his chair, even when you come in to sit in your chair, in which way you sit, all that. Uh, the hard part starts of watching torture. What I never, I was hearing about it, but I never saw it. Uh, the first half an hour, less than half an hour, I become really ill and sick. I threw it from my head. I can't take it, you know? And every time I threw, they push my head back, watch. I watch and watch and watch and watch. Day after day after day and uh, week after week become normal in my eyes. And this is again as a part of intelligence service training. This passed, but the worst is coming. All this torture I was seeing in the videos, I was sick. But how about to see it live? There was a bringing me somewhere. The, special prison and here you see the torture life and you see how the people tortured and how the nails teeth cables in the back and everything you know this when i asked monam what he was the general of the intelligence service why i going through that he said to kill your heart, to don't feel sorry for anybody, to be part of bad party. If you don't be like that, you don't survive in Iraq. You don't survive as a government. 
and you present his son, Saddam's son, you don't survive. Must you have that? All that is done. And really, even my personality start changing. But still in my backyard, say I am Latifia here, not Abu Saddam. Interesting. So, so at this point, you've watched, they've conditioned your mind, they got to kill your heart, they got to get you to realize that this is a normal life. So, this is not going to, you know, uh, hurt you. You're getting colder. You're, you know, becoming a little bit more uh, acceptance of the life of uh, what it could like to be your day and uh, you're going through this. So now what, what happens next after this where you actually get to see Uday and at what point do you start spending more time with Saddam Hussein because they didn't want him to be in public in dangerous places. They wanted you to be in public. What ways were you used? Uh, between the training, I was meeting all day, time to time he come on. It's not like I finished meeting him. It was time to time he come on to see and where we are and how we talk. And, and he was laughing, you know, he was really laughing. And I don't know why, but he was laughing anyway. After all this finished, they come in. Go have a shower, go have this, go have that. Uh, a doctor come in, he tested me and my mouth, hand. They, it's like they have tissues cleaning my hand. They bring brand new suit, brand shirt, everything new from shoes, socks, everything is new. What's going on? Is Don't ask, we go to see. About an hour later, car come in. One I'm with me, another car behind us, and this is where I met the president for the first time. How, how was his demeanor when you met him? How was he with you? Uh, he was sitting on his desk and he was writing something and just put his head up and he smiled. Uh, and he looked at me, welcoming me. He shake my hand, sit down, I sit was very good very nice not what we hear about him funny uh he said god he gave me two sons you are the third now anything you want ask anything in your dream just ask but try don't make me angry only this word I said, sure, sir, I don't do anything make you angry. But to be fair, you know, he liked me. He really liked me, you know. Um, he never hurt me. He always called me a son, and he mean it when he said to me. He always say to my shoulder, everything okay, nobody upsetting you. No, I'm okay, perfect, that's it. Got it. Now, at this point, your family... You're not in contact with your family. Does your family know what's going on or no? My family, they told them Latif he'd been killed in the war. But his body, we can't get him. Iranian passed this line and we can't get him. They did a funeral for me. Nobody know uh, Latif is in a different place. And that's it. Even uh, I still have the picture of this the black sign they put when somebody killed in the war. My name in it, and 
I have the video of my funeral. You have the video of uh, your funeral? Yes, I have it. Uh, yeah, I have all these photos they took um, for the funeral. As an army person, he killed in the war. How long from, from that until they found out you were alive? How many years was that? Less than two. Oh, less than two years until they found out. Okay, yeah. got yeah. it. So, so now you're in the family. Saddam's calling you his son. I had two, now I have three. Anybody making you upset, you know, cry, don't make me hungry. You know, he's telling you all this of his mindset. Um, yeah. When did you start seeing how Uday lived and how he behaved? I saw him, I think, second week of when I was in the palace, when he was coming, you know, he bring girls with him. Oh, if you like somebody, take her, take her. Like, you know, look, take her, you know. I say, no, I'm here for something else. But uh, after I finish all these training, he start coming. Uh, if he don't want me to go for him as a buddy, a double, uh, he said, okay, you come and party, party with me. Shave your beard. Okay? Shave your beard. I'll just be mustache. I dress like a just normal suit. I carry in a gun and all that and go behind him we, with him in his car. But the parties I was seeing, uh, I don't think a king or prince or playboy in the world do these parties. How, um, when you say that, what do you mean by that? Well, give us a little bit of description. One of the parties was his birthday. There's a lot of friends, close friends to him. I don't think he have a friend, but I call them Tim. I'm sorry for this world, but this is the reality. What I saw, I call them Tim's because they bring in girls. Uh, they do every dirty thing just to be close to him. One of the party was his birthday. About 50 girls there. And about 20 what called friends. And I was in a corner having my cigar and a cognac beside me. Just past 12 o'clock, he took his machine gun and started shooting here and there. He was absolutely blocked, drunk. Everyone struck. Everyone take his clothes. Everyone took his clothes out. All of them. You don't see any clothes in the place. Men and women. This is one of the craziest things, really. Till now, the picture I can imagine that I was there. So they take their clothes off. Everybody took their clothes off. Yeah. And then what happened? Okay. Got it. So everybody, <laughs> he was just asking to, okay, I got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say he took out the machine gun and did something to harm those girls. Uh, because what, yeah. I, what I read about him, you know, and, and study about him over the years, because you want to know what the family was like. Uh, mm -hmm. They say, based on what you read about, he was more psychopath. psychopath he was a psycho he was meaner he was more vicious than his father ever was 
he took the level of viciousness to new heights. Is, is that a pretty true statement, or was his father more vicious than he was? No, he is. He passed his father. He passed a lot. At least his father, when he was doing all these stuff, he have strategy in his life. He was doing that for a political issue, for something he want to get in Iraq. But today he was doing it for maniac things. There's nothing is benefit of him. Uh, you don't know what he wants. Sometimes you see him really laugh with a big mouth and half an hour later sitting in a corner crying like a baby this kind of other uh, personality you don't know what he wants you don't know why he's doing that uh, when he drunk uh, twice i heard from him he said to me my dad don't like me he like kosai more than me this is why he don't want to give me a power. This is why he put Kosai uh, as a head of his security. He didn't put me. I want to answer him, but I, but I, I know my neck going to be bye-bye. Now, Kosai was a little bit more reserved to himself. He was a little shy, a little quiet, but uh, he was calculating. He had his dad's calculating side based on what I read about him. Uh, uh, but he wasn't that uh, uh, public about it. And I know I, I no. know there was one time where he became the leader of Secret Service, and his dad, I think in 1984, made Uday the chairman of the Iraqi Olympic uh, Committee, yeah. and he wanted this to be the Secret funny. Service. Yeah. Uh, Kosai, the second son, he's more close to his dad. This is why his dad trusts him more. One, he's not like Uday. He married, even he's the youngest one. He's very, very clever. For me personally, I like him. Uh, uh, very, very intelligent. Uh, he treats his people with him as a friend and a brother. He don't hurt them like Oday, what he do. If he don't like you, even your clothes in my as a group, as a fun, they say, okay, take him. Uh, shave his head, shave his eyebrows, uh, send him to this place where we torture. Okay, just for fun, for 10 days. Enough, he's joking. And this is what he do. But Kosai, no, no. He give a chance, second. He sit with you, talk in a human way. Uh, Sometimes he say to you, don't look at me as Saddam, uh, son. Look at me as a brother to your friend. Why you behave like that? But Saddam and Kosai, they was very hard and strong with their family and they tried, for example. If any Iraqi do something wrong, I give you the example, maybe get forgiveness. And a lot of forgiveness happened at the time. But anybody belong to Saddam family, cousin or cousin of cousin, or coming from Tikrit. He been ten times punished more than normal person because Saddam and Kosaide was telling them, when you behave like that, you hit in my name. And Saddam, to be very honest with you, he was caring about his name so much. I saw one of his. Uh, he was captain 
yeah, he was captain. One of the times they sent me for torture, and was Saddam closest, you know, security with him, and from Tikrit because he did something unusual in the street, you know, he he hit the traffic light or something was red and put. He sent him where I was being tortured for a month, and he's a captain and he's Saddam family. Because he hit a red light. Yeah, he said because you behave, you are belong to Saddam name. When people know you are my bodyguard and behave like that, how the normal people go to respect the law? Did did the did the, the, the it seemed like the father and the son were always uh, uh, at war, like uh, Saddam and Uday. I remember one time I think did did um, did Uday one time accidentally shoot off his uh, uncle. Saddam's uh, uh, brother? Brother. What, yeah, happened, what brother, happened to yeah. that story? Uh, this is after I left. Oh, that's after you? I hear, yeah. I, after I left, I heard it from one of these guys was with him. Uh, but I tell you about Kamil Hanna, what was Saddam te uh, food tester. And his Saddam was calling, me, calling him son, you know, more very close to him. He's a Christian person. But he and his family worked all for Saddam since he was a kid. And uh, I remember was a party, and Mubarak, president of Egypt, ex-president, uh, visited Iraq, and Kamil Hanna did a party for them, you know, as a welcome into the country. I think by order of Saddam to do a welcome party for them. We was uh, like a few buildings in Al Habbaniya, and uh, we coming from Habbaniya to this place where it's called uh, probably palace space or something like that, as I can't translate it exactly in English. Uh, I was sitting, and Uday he was going around. Kamil Hanna invite every single one except Uday. And uh, at the time, it was a few months or less than a year, Saddam married secretly. And this is what I break the news when I come out. Uh, an, another woman, uh, her name Samira. And uh, was through Kamil Hanna. And Uday, he hated Kamil Hanna because of that. How you get a woman instead of my mother. And here was a war between them, but he can't touch him because he know how valuable Kamil Hanna to Saddam and very close to him. He can't touch him. Anyway, he started drinking. He can hear the music and the singer from the other side. How day he say to one of these guys around him, go tell him, because Kamil Hanna, I think he become a little bit drunk. He took his machine gun as celebration, you know, in Middle East, shooting mm -hmm. as a welcome. He told him, go tell this idiot to stop shooting. He went and he saw Kamil Hanna, he was shooting. And Kamil Hanna told him, Tell Oday, I'm not taking order of him. 
the only person I took order of him is Saddam Hussein. And uh, it's like I was sitting in the couch and my leg is up and another guy was having fun drink. Or they, he have like a, a sticker, but very long with a hard head and you can take, take it up as a sword. When you pull it up, as a sword inside. He went and we we go after him. Where are you going? Nobody talked to me. Nobody pushing here and pushing here. We went around. He went to Kamil Hanna with this heavy stick straight away to his head. Few times you can see the blood just keep going, keep going. Take the knife straight away, cut his neck. Take the gun, start shooting here and there. Everyone terrified. They took Mubarak wife in a different car. Straight away, the palace informed Kamal Hanna he'd been shot and been this and that. I remember the president coming into the garden with the cars. A day he ran to where we was. He went to the bathroom and closed the door, shut it down completely. Uh, screaming in the bathroom we try to open the door asking him to open the door nothing he keeps screaming screaming till completely the voice is gone and no more he can't i can't hear we call him we call him no answer we break the door he was on the floor he took a lot of tablets was i don't know what they are a lot he took it a lot he went to kill himself. Uh, put him in the car to the hospital. Was hospital belonged to the palace called Ibn Sina. And uh, in this hospital, they did what they did with him. Uh, we was around him, President Common. Uh, but he looked at everyone as a piece of dirt. Uh, why he didn't stop him on this? He took Oday. He was lying in the bed and took him like that, started slapping him. You must be dead. You must be this. You're shaming me, shaming the family. And anyway, I will put you in the jail for all your life. And if I can hang you, but I leave this to the justice, you say. And he put. Saddam ordered, he put the judge is the one of the most powerful person in Iraq. And he said, don't look at him as my son. Judge him as a murder for any person. And believe it or not, okay, we say what they say, Saddam dictator and like that. But the judge he sent Oday to death penalty. Oday's mother contact King Hussein of Jordan to involve in this problem. Wow. Uh, Oday has been taken to really, really horrible uh, prison cell. Really bad. I mean bad, you know. Three doors to go inside the cell. 
three doors and he by order of Saddam he don't give him except bread and water nothing else bread water no other another thing and if I hear anybody treated him or look at him as Saddam's son I will put him with him and he put I remember three officers of his security to spy if somebody break the rule till one day we see the plane of King Hussein arrived in Baghdad and President Saddam he go to the airport pick him and King Hussein of Jordan involved to give an amnesty to Uday and you know in Arabic ways or Middle Eastern ways when somebody come and uh, asking you for forgiveness or all that you should take it and you know this is a king and was you know friend with Iraq and like that he can go back without of get what he want and here Saddam say okay I don't let you go without of do what you ask me but He's ashamed me. I don't want him in Iraq anymore. I want to kick him out of Iraq and he never come back here. And this is what they agree. Uh, he ordered, I think, all these pimps, we can say, uh, to be jailed. You know, uh, I've been put back to Project 7. I'm not allowed to go anywhere. I think two and a half months we heard Oday after he they sent him to Switzerland as an exile. Don't come back. He killed somebody else in Switzerland because it was a diplomatic community you have to have. He's not allowed to be arrested. He's been deported back to Iraq. Back again to the same circle. When he came back, he went back to the regular life again. Regular, we don't say regular, but uh, he become worse actually. Wait, he became worse when he got back. Yeah, okay. worse, worse. I mean, worse. You know, it's not uh, like what he left before that. So, was he the kind of person that hated being humiliated by his dad? Yes, he was really. You know what you are saying when he drunk. He's saying, you know, if my dad go and I become president, I make every Iraqi feel guilty Saddam is gone. And you imagine what he was thinking. Um, would you would you say he had a deep hatred towards his father or no? Like, did he hate his dad or, did, you know, was it complicated? Hate love. Okay. Did he want to he, take over that and be the president? Did he have aspirations of being president? Yes. Okay. Yes. I can say this hundred percent. What was in his head, his, his thinking. Uh, even Kosei, when he was saying, you know, sometimes they argue, you know, 
This is between Uday and Kosa. You don't see them. Very, very rare they are together. You know, very rare because they always argue. And Kosa, even he's younger, he's telling him, okay, you want to be president after the president? You know, God give him life. But with this behavior, you don't belong in this chair if you get it. And this is always the argue between them. Kosei would say that to Uday or Uday would say to yeah. Kosei? No, Kosei would say it to Uday. Got, yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you see these stories of what happens with them. So at what point did you say, I got to get out of this? I don't want to do this anymore. How long did that take? Because I know you said that your family it thought you were dead for two years, but two years later they found out you're not dead. When did you say, I want out of this life? I tried to kill myself. How? What happened? I tried to kill myself. What caused you to get to that point? Uh, one time I was sitting in the top uh, building of uh, Iraqi Olympic Committee. Uh, day he raped a girl. And uh, the father, he was very known uh, in Baghdad as famous person you know he come in to complain and say to him you know you write my daughter and this and that or they were sitting behind his desk office and uh, he started shouting to him well what do you want and your doctor she's a whore and you know he starts screaming and and the other man he can't hear Somebody call his doctor, who? Uh, he did something, I, I, as I remember, it's petting him or something, bad word, he say. I was sitting on this left, there's a table in front of me, fruit, and he threw his gun to me like that, and he said to me, shoot him. I took the gun and I put it in this chair. They say, shoot him. I say, no, I'm not doing that. You want to shoot him? You do it. It's not me. No, I order you to shoot you. I say, okay. Took the knife and I start cutting myself. Think if you can see here. Mm -hmm. in here. In here. Both sides. Just the blood was all over. You crazy? This what hospital. They bring me to hospital. Uh... Yeah, stitches and like this. He come on, you're crazy, you are this, you are that. Anyway, to make it a little bit shorter, till I met the president, you know, I said to him, I don't want to complete work with this guy. Uh, he gave me a Mercedes 300 SEL with zero mileage in it. And, uh, before that, uh, I've been tortured and thrown out of my family house. They didn't recognize me because uh, the guy what we sit now in Jordan, he shaved my eyebrows, my head, mustache. You know, this is in the Middle East humiliation. Uh, my back, you can't see only lines is open blood anyway i was really 
sword, you know, they threw me like piece of potato, like bag of potato outside the home. And uh, my mother, my sister didn't recognize who I am, only through my voice, you know. Bald hair, bald, it's nothing, it's like uh, boiled eggs. They took me in and you are dead. We did a funeral for you, you know. How this happened, I, I told them the story and uh, my dad, he have a friend, he have a private hospital uh, in a good area. Uh, he bring me to this hospital. There was a poison in my blood. Become, you know, must they change all my blood, you know, from the torture and where they put me and, you know, like, uh, you know, the manhole. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of toilet stuff in it. Dead cats, dead, you know, every rats, everything. With all these torture and my skin is open and infected. They threw me in uh, inside this place, and you know I get really infected in my body completely. My dad he bring me to this hospital. Uh, I stay over forty days there. I was really, really saying with myself, "That's it, Iraq is over for me. It's completely over." But. Uh, what they teach me in intelligence service, I should use it now against them. So don't be stupid and do it quick. Think about it and learn what they teach you. How, and I was inside and I know how system works. Mm -hmm. uh, till one day after I really uh, get out of the hospital, a little bit. My eyebrows, my hair start growing. Uh, he sent somebody and called me a day. He have a party in Al Rashid Melia uh, Mansour Hotel. Uh, he all these group got to be on Mosu coming. Uh, before that, I had a car. I am a fan of cars. I buy really. Up till now, in this age, I buy anything unusual. I buy it. Was a Cadillac. Uh, if you see old videos of President Ahmed Hassan al Becker, uh, long limousine, black one, I bought it because of the history of it. I bought it, and I want to sell it after them after time. One of his pimps. He want to buy it. I said, no, I'm not selling it with the price you want to buy it. I said, okay, wait, what's going to happen? Make it shorter. He went to Uday and told him, Luffy told me I'm not selling cars for Uday pimps. And here, when he saw me in Al Miriam Mansour Hotel, take this to me. Shouting this, I took my girl, what she was with me, what she's went to the left, went to go down before the door closed. He starts shooting, shooting, shooting. Then I get one on my shoulder, go down. I took my car, I never stopped. 
tell Mosul. Got you know, it. I didn't understand. I from the hotel till Mosul, but I was being chased by his gun, you know. But I'm a good driver, good Mercedes, no stop. And every checkpoint I go, like half kilometer before, I put the sensor out of the lights inside. They opened the no check, no nothing. Anyway, I went to Mosul. From Mosul, they smuggled me to Kurdistan. And uh, another part of life starts here. Another chapter. Done. So that was it. You were out. You left. Everything. That's the last that, time you've been that's it. Lost. November 1991. November 1991. So the, the assassination attempts then start. You had three in Vienna. I believe you had one in London and one in Norway, right? Or am I missing one? Correct. Correct. So they're still chasing you no matter where you were going. Yeah. And when, when we say they, is they Uday or is uh, is it Uday, Kosei, uh, uh, Kosei and uh, Saddam? Not Saddam. I can say to you 100% and I tell you the reason now. And definitely not Kosei because I was in contact with Kosei. was Uday. Got it. So you know it wasn't Kosei, you know it wasn't Saddam, but you know it was Uday's people that are coming after you. Yeah. Got it. So you leave. Um, you go and start your own uh, new life. Are you following everything with the story, with the plans of wanting to retaliate against Oday? And if yes, how did you? Okay, here, first of all, if I go back nearly 30 years back, one, I don't write any book. Two, I'll be disappeared. Three, I don't be in the media. For I never say anything about my ex-life. And I live my life and I have my passport, my great family, my this. Since the book, I wrote it and I start in the media, my life demolished. Up till now, I'm talking to you, I don't have a life. Even Saddam gone, even Ba'ath gone, even more Saddam and Oday gone. But another chapter start with the, another government in Iraq now. Exactly worse what Oday did to me. Since Saddam fell, I have four death penalty issued by this new regime in Iraq. Why do I was dream what, what intel do you have? what intel do you have that scares them that concerns them? Uh, I have a mouth and I know them. And those people, we was the same team of Iraqi opposition. I know up and down of those guys. What the guy he was driving my kids, Omar, 27 years ago to school, he became prime minister. You imagine in Iraq <laughs> then another one. She was a chef cooking in my house. She became third secretary in Iraqi embassy in Holland. You know, everyone out of my house, he become leader now. A people, you know, Ibrahim Jafari, this guy, what he become second prime minister in Iraq. 
He is registered in London. He is a psychopath. He went to the social warfare, excuse me, pee in himself because they cut his hundred pound of rent. And now six billion pounds he owned in Britain. Six million pounds. And this is a small fish. And when I talk, maybe you visit my channel on YouTube, you know, this is six channel verified channel <laughs> they shut it down for me 1.2 million follower on youtube verified channel uh, page one tick gun one and a half million on facebook switch off they buying people they buying people because they don't want to hear they dare what i know about them and i do life always i do life now with with my follower even my enemy they start following me and telling me you're telling the truth you know truth is hard truth is hard those guys were running iraq make me personally and this is first time i will say that make me feel so sorry i was opposition to saddam hussein Compare Saddam to those guys, he's a prophet coming from Allah or God or call him what you call him. Compared to these guys. Saddam, he didn't kill in 35 years what those people killed in the past 17 years. Saddam, he was running the country up and down and you have every month food. You got your local shop, you get it for free. He was running Iraq 10 billion pounds okay a year now 130 billion uh, dollar i say a year half of the nation living from rubbish they don't have food 17 years of democracy no electricity no water no education no medical health no system no nothing absolutely nothing we have Mosul gun destroyed as a flat land now, but the Mosul of history. Every Sunni area has been destroyed. I'm not against anybody, not a religion, no anything. Nothing. I never talk religion because for me, religion is destroying of mind. No matter which way. I never talk religion or believe in this or that i believe what here i believe what i see i believe what i read and after that i make my mind you don't come to me and tell me 1400 years ago something happened where is your proof story we can't tell a story those people and they are not even shia you know they saying they are shia but for me no i have a lot of friends shia they are nice people. They are educated people. They are, they don't have this hate for other people. You know, I have so much Iranian friends. I have a friend from Japan, from everywhere in the world. I never look at the person which religion or background common, you know. Let's even question for you because sometimes when, when, you know, anytime we do interviews with anybody, we, we, 
we will typically do extensive research and the team will get a lot of data and we'll contact some people. Some of the people will say, some of the stories you say, you over-exaggerate and it didn't have, you know, you have to- And connect. fake. Yeah, they're fake. And stories. fake. They're not real. It didn't happen. You waited for them to die until you told the story when Uday died and then you came up. So some of the people are saying that about you. What do you say to people that say, none of these things you talk about are true, you've made up? What do you say to them? Three newspapers wrote this. Three of them, they are friends to each other. One, he starred. He's in Ireland. He's not a journalist. Two, nothing to do with journalism. Three, when he wrote the article to The Guardian in Britain, he wrote it as opinion. If you go search of this guy background, he begged me in Ireland to come and do an interview with me. And I welcome him to my home, what is not easy for me to bring somebody to the home. But this guy, he been paid to something do it. One, he's not a journalist. He writes a small line in local paper about a new pub is open in area, a new restaurant open, and I wrote a full article on my website about him. But at the time, give me one and whole world from Trump to smallest person in the world. Not being humiliated by media, if he's, you know, no one. Uh, or he have enemy, or have, you know, jealousy kill sometimes. When they say in Latif, nobody heard about him till he wait a day and cause I die and Latif coming out. No. In 1993, my first book coming out in Vienna by Norka Lag was a book, thousand page. Okay? 1993. This is 10 years early of Odey Yep. When the book come out, I get the first assassination attempt, I think, a few weeks later. Second assassination attempt was a bomb under my car. And everything has been... Uh, documented by the Austrian intelligence service, but they don't want to say it. Why? Because was an agenda between Iraq and two countries financially was at the time controlling Austria it was Iran and Iraq. You know, there was controlling the intelligence service. They have everything in Vienna. You know, was Iranian government and Iraqi government. At the time, all the Iraqi embassies after the second Gulf War, the invasion of Kuwait, has been shut down, except two. One in Switzerland and one in Vienna. was international uh, law and they close everything. They don't have anything. And I was fighting. Okay. In 19... 94, I get the assassination attempt. In 1995, I get assassination attempt. In, 19, in March 1995, I come to London running from Austria. I've been shot here, but the bullet doesn't come to me. It was one of my guys. Again, O'Day personally called me. I was wishing at the time in 95, like we have this technology, you can record by the phone, you know. He said to me, 
3rd of July, 1995. Your dad is here in my office. If you don't stop, you never see your dad again. Hey, you go. This is your dad. I talked to my dad. The one word say to me, God make my life, God he take it. Not this motherfucker. Okay? This is a brave man. 4th of July, next day, after 12 hours, I think, no more on that, my father was killed. I paid the price. Until now, I'm eating myself because of that. But again, where those people was, okay, when I said, we can't say media can be full, right? Media, they have their sources. And half of the media, they have very good connection with intelligence service. It is not intelligence service, police, secret service. I don't know what, correct? How can Latif Yahya fool the world from 92 up till 2003, right? Two, how can Latif Yahya sit and make up this story? If you read the book, I wrote it in 1992, correct? If I wasn't inside this, how I know every nails were in the palace? I described the palace exactly how I lived in it, correct? Who can go in this world to Saddam Palace and live there, correct? You can't drive even outside the palace in Baghdad. How can I be inside and describe all these, what inside the palace and the secret and everything and all that intelligence service here in the West? They say to me, oh, now we found, because an article or two somebody wrote about you. Second journalist, Ed Caesar. Ed Caesar contacted the producing company when we was filming in Malta. Who is Ed Caesar? He's a friend with this guy in, in Ireland. Okay? He told him, if you read the article, ex-wife, ex I don't know what. Okay. Give me one ex. If she was good, she don't be ex, correct? If she is an ex, she got to talk good about Latif Yahya? No. Correct? Mm -hmm. She got to fabricate a story and say a story and like that. But again, I answer, even she's my ex, because I don't like the drugs, because I don't like somebody stealing from my bank account, because I don't like somebody sit having sex in my house, in my bed, when I'm traveling for business. And when I catch them, okay, this is what's happened. This is the Irish police. And when I been hit by Irish police, 21 stitches in my face, a broken nose, everything. Since I've been injured this 11th of April 2000, up till now, today, 7th of December, 2020. I want to bring this sergeant to court. I can't. 
with all the power I have, with all the money I have, with all the lawyer I have, I can't. This is the West, okay? They can put you up, 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 but when they finish off you, they destroy your life. And here in the West, you can see the fabrication of people when they come and claim refugee status. And you can see the fabrication of lot of people claim refugee status, but they've been sold themselves. Yeah, they get political refugee status. Why is somebody like Latifiyah here? Nearly 30 years, 30 years that I was killed, killed 10 people. I don't sit in a prison 30 years, correct? 30 years, only two years ago, Britain gave me refugee status. Two years ago, okay? Wow. Working, paying tax. My ex-wife, she was Irish, 18 years in Ireland, 22 million euro investment, uh, no criminal record, my kids Irish, uh, my wife Irish, I own everything, I don't claim anything, but still, no. Three times they reject me, minister discretion. Why? I found in the end, why? Because I was, one of my interviews did with uh, uh, Hard Talk, British program. Because I stripped the Irish government, and this is the truth, I didn't do something, uh, because they are corrupt, I talk about them, because they always ask bribery from me for any project I do, must I give brown envelope to my project be gone. It's like I'm sitting in Iraq or Iran or I don't know where. It's not a European country. 18 years with investment and everything, they reject me. I left Ireland after they kicked me out with no reason. 18 years, they give me investor visa. Every year must I go and get my renewal. 2014, I want to renew it. They refuse me. Why? You don't have any connection this country anymore okay what what now what should i do you leave the country or you be by force deported to iraq okay and i say you know what's happened to me if i go back to iraq we say this is what we can do i say excuse me i say fuck you and your country now i left i left like a gypsy Every day, somewhere. I start from Finland, coming to Sweden, coming to this. Everyone reject me. It's like I'm a disease. Somebody don't want to touch me. Why? Because they think I'm a trouble for them. They think if something happened to me, the country got to be blamed. Right? I come to Britain. I claim refugee status. My partner, she's British. My two kids, British, and they don't want to give me. They don't want to give me. Three and a half years, I have companies, I have business, I have everything, but I am not allowed to work. You're paying tax, it's okay. 
but you are not allowed to work till you the decision comes. You can see how the business work here. Okay, and every single day, me and the lawyer sit, call the home office, and every one we get, he telling us different story. But we record all that. We record all that. In the end, have somewhere we found to complain about the home office what they doing. We send the three, three record each record fifteen minutes. After the home office, no, I record every single thing. Five days later, I get my refugee status. Five days does not take more. Exactly my birthday, 2018, 14th of June, registered post come to me. The postman say to me, must you sign here? I don't know what in it. I open it. Full status. Because they're afraid I go with these records out. So now you're in, you're safe now uh, where you are in Britain. You you can stay there. You can work. You don't have to worry about going to another place. No, I'm not worried. But I'm worried. See, Saddam Hussein at the time, we know the intelligence service how it work, right? After 2003, with these mullahs what come to Iraq, they have already based in Britain. They have very old base here since 70s, okay? The billions of pounds and dollars and the wealth coming to Britain from Iraq, unbelievable. Here, the threat back to Latifia here. Do you know just last week, the intelligence service or the police coming to my house calling me, your life in danger, they put alarm in every single window connected to the police. They put a black box uh, with a key and the bottoms give it to me and my partner. This must be with you. And if I say, what's going on? He said, just if something happened, press this button. They know my life now danger more on Saddam time. On Saddam time, I kind of play the game. And Saddam time, I can travel. I can go, I can get, but now, no, you know, and especially with this age. When I was in Ireland, before I come to Britain, I'd be shot. I'd be shot by Shia militias, but they put five million for my head. And this is why I'm disabled now. Where is the law? Where is the logic? What claim in Latif Yahya, he fabricated stuff and like that. And now when people go before hundreds of people and media and company, why you go Google Latif Yahya? Why always come in these bad articles on the top? Over 100,000 pages has been written. Why all these people always they put this up? You know, Google can't play with those. Okay, why they put this? Because you see now everything fast. When you Google Sam now and you put full name, the first two line common, okay, if Sam is good, oh, perfect. I like this. I pick the perfect thing. I don't care about what the rest down. A plot 
Oh, the first article. Oh, fabrication. Oh, he's lie. He's that. That's it. This is the picture straight away coming. Yeah. You know, because people become lazy. They don't go, I don't say be investigator, but ask to get an answer. You don't hear it. You don't hear it from here and there. That's... I say to them, I say to them, all those people, if you have, and now after the invasion, you have all the documentation of Iraqi intelligence service before. If you find anything, again, a slot if you here, and the problem with the CIA in 1991, when they took me out, okay, they checked me. Twice they put me in lie detector. Okay? Twice. Not once, twice. And this is why they took me out. Why they didn't take that at the time was, you know, the Kurdish war and there was a Turkish border. Why they didn't take 200,000 there? Why they took Latif Yahya? Because they know I wasn't lying. They saw all these holes in my body. They saw all these torture. They saw photos and my ID, what they promised me to give it to me back. But they took me out and they said, we send it to you and I will see it again. This is why I don't talk to media a lot with all my respect to the media. Some of them is good. But this is why I pull out. I say, why I do it? I create more enemy because I tell how it work and how I, you know, nearly 30 years in the media, I know every single thing, how is sick. Okay, who is better, me or BBC in Britain? Sure, BBC, right? Two days ago was a program about Diana. After tw tw uh, 25 years, Channel 4, the British one, Take the death of BBC 25 years ago, what they did with Diana, all fabrication, all the lie they BBC did to her till being killed. And they are now in a really catastrophic way. And this is a BBC, the channel of the country. Of course. Fabricate, fabricate a story against who? Diana. She's a princess. She's not Latif Yahya. And she's killed. And now all the dirt coming out. Lie is short, correct? If they had anything against Latif here long time ago was in the media. I don't want to somebody say he and she. No, put a document. What the people said about me was the pimp I was talking about them in the beginning of the program. Do you understand where I get I, it? I know clearly which one you're talking about. Yeah, I know clearly which one you're talking about. This story. By the way, a couple questions. Uh, 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 was there a double for Saddam as well, or no? Did he have a double? Because there's rumors he had a lot of doubles. I saw one. Okay, just one. Anybody else? And I was laughing about this book. Uh, the guy what he interrogated Saddam, uh, the CIA or something. When he wrote the book, he says, Saddam, he said, I don't have double. No one go to say I have double. Because when you have double, this means you're coward. Yeah. 
and said, Damn, he don't chow, he's a coward person. Got him. Correct? Yep. That's how you. And then his his sons, when they got killed July 22nd, 03, I believe it's July 22nd, 03. Uh, yeah. What were they killed from? I know there was an assassination attempt, but what do you know the story? Because I've heard a lot of different versions of it. The man, what he say, whereas Oday and Kosei, he told the American they are there. Because this, when they come into this guy, I think Oday and Kosei, as I hear from a sister of them, okay? This is more, and you can go more closer of that. Uh, I think they give him a $3 million to stay a week till they sorted because they was being kicked from Syria and they don't have anywhere to go till they go to this guy, what they know him, he was a part of uh, friends of Saddam or something like that. And he went to America and told them they are in my house. For $3 million. Yeah, plus the 25 of each, he gets it. Got it. So and he made 53. Yeah. 53, and he's uh, in Monaco now, very happy. Wow. So he made his 53 doing, doing it that way. Well, uh, let's see if I got to tell you, you, you got a lot of stories, and I appreciate you being uh, uh, cooperative and just kind of, you know, taking every question and given your perspective on what you have. Uh, I got to tell you, I remember the first time I saw the movie and the actor that plays you and Uday. Dominic. Yeah, he did a great job. I mean, what a that movie, the acting in that movie is impeccable. I mean, I got to tell you, a lot of respect for that movie. When I saw it, I said, this is not an easy movie to do. This is not easy to be two parts. But he did a great job uh, portraying the stories of what happened with you and Udai. But uh, about the movie, uh, it's not all true, as you of know, course. as you saw it. Uh, they breached the contract with 11 paragraphs. Uh, I sued them. I went. And I hope got to be remade for full story this time. Would no change how the director changes. You know, Hollywood, uh, Hollywood has to add their own spice to it. Sometimes, you know, they do it. Uh, it's not not in this way because uh, the script. I told them if something changes in the script, must I see it and sign for it? And this is why the breach of eleven paragraph was, and this is why I get my right back. Very interesting. You, 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 got, you got a lot of interesting stories. And like I said at the beginning, you've lived, lived an interesting life. You said not an interesting life, a rough life at the beginning. And uh, congratulations on finally being a refugee of uh, Britain and the family that you're over there. And I hope uh, uh, everything works out for you from here on moving forward. Thank you so much, Patrick. Good to see you and good to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know about you. When you listen to the story for the first time, it almost doesn't seem real. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I was a double. And then you watch the movie, you read the book, you read the article. This is, if this story is true, this is a this is an insane story of uh, what uh, he went through. I want to hear your thoughts, comment below on what your takeaway was. Uh, and if you enjoyed this story, I did an interview with the youngest sergeant major in 2003, 2004. I believe he got promoted 
to Sergeant Major when Iraq goes down. He was the 21st soldier of the Iraqi army at 17, 18, 19 years old. He becomes a Sergeant Major. If you haven't heard this story, it's a phenomenal story of Hamoudi Jassim. If you've not watched it, click over to watch it. And if you've not subscribed to the channel, please do so. Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.